1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast.
0: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. All right. We really haven't had a lot of time to go over the entire schedule. We mentioned tonight UTSA hosting USF in San Antonio and the Jeff Trailer career at UTSA with a lot of, well, a lot of Eyeballs, but now the fact interviewed by A and M, and most likely, depending on what happens at Baylor and Houston, would be you would think, depending if he's still available, interviewed at one of those or both of those schools. But here's the top twenty-five. First of all, we're not going to go through all of them. Where are the bangers this week? There's always two or three bangers. Top twenty-five uh, against top twenty-five. It's see- very. Lean, although the best ones at 630 on Saturday, Washington, Oregon State.
1: Yeah, Washington, Oregon State, and Utah, Arizona, to me, are the best ones. And then you've got a couple of ranked versus ranked that uh, may not be as good. Georgia versus Tennessee, not as good. Uh, Kansas and Kansas State are both ranked, uh, you know. And have their 12 championship implications. But, like, without the top two quarterbacks, you just wonder how Kansas is going to be able to keep any kind of pace with Kansas state, uh, in that one, I think, you know, outside of bangers, there's a couple of intriguing games here that could be, uh, in there in the ACC, um, that are, you know, have to do with who's going to wind up in that title game. It's Louisville at Miami and it's, um, North Carolina at Clemson. If North North Carolina has got to win that game, if they don't, then it doesn't matter what Louisville does against Miami. Um, But if Louisville does win, then North Carolina has to win, you know, I think – then it also doesn't matter. But if Louisville loses, then North Carolina's got a shot. So they're starting at 2.30. They'll know whether they have a shot or not. And if Louisville wins, it's probably going to be, you know, maybe a little bit of an uninspiring game because you're going to be down at the dumps. But that's interesting. And I'm interested to see how Miami, who played okay, pretty well against Florida State last week, uh, considering all things considered, rolls out with Tyler Van Dyke again at quarterback and hopes that he doesn't uh, throw interceptions, which has been his problem. But, other than that, it's that it's that second to last week that can get pretty blah, you know, for everybody. Uh,
2: has Kansas ruled out Jason Bean? I think so. I yeah. don't think they've ruled him out, so we'll see if he's uh, out or not. But um, I, I was just I was, I was wondering if you had seen something because I don't think I, I saw that yesterday. He um, yesterday I remember seeing that he was practicing and taking reps. So I don't know if they're going to be without their you know obviously they're going to be without Jalen Daniels, but I think there is a chance Jason Bean could play. Now is that going to mean that they you know, beat Kansas State, I still think not, but uh, it definitely would give them a little bit of help. Although Cole Ballard, you know, did what he he could last weekend. So, yeah, that'll be something to watch for is is whether Jason Bean's available or not for the Sunflower Showdown. But, I mean, you kind of touched on a lot of the games. Um, You know, Louisville, Miami, that will be interesting. Um, I mean, we talked about North Carolina Clemson. Uh, well, you know, again, another ACC game as Paul mentioned. Uh, very interesting there uh, as Clemson starts to kind of get their their drum beat going once again, and we all know the kind of tales around Mac Brown. Mac Brown's going to be back next year, by the way. I don't know if you guys yep, uh, ever yep. saw that, but uh, I know we didn't we didn't mention it, but uh, that was out there. So um, yeah, North Carolina, it's uh, a matter of sticking in the top twenty five now, and then you lose to Clemson. All of a sudden, it was a big banner year. You know, it's really started to kind of just turn into another year, basically except for this time, this is really Drake, May, Drake May's last run. So I don't expect a lot out of the Georgia-Tennessee as far as, like, the upset potential there. Um, but, you know, that's a, a game with two very talented teams, obviously, and you never know any given Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, a lot of good games there. I, I, there's not necessarily, as you said, like – the top 25 versus top 25, they're both in the top 10. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think there's some interesting contests that should make for a worthwhile day. And the last time everybody complained about a lack of not very good games was probably the most exciting weekend mm-hmm. of the entire year. So that doesn't guarantee anything when you have a bunch of them or nor guarantee anything when you don't have a bunch of them. So here at the end, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for some chaos.
0: All right, uh, before we get to the Big 12 schedule, a couple of notes on Houston. Uh, from Joseph Duarte that does a great job. Dana Holgerson, would asked about uh, the program, this is the only place I want to be. I'll be here as long as you want to have me. We're going to continue to get better. We're going to get this thing going in the right direction. Now, that's one of them. Then earlier today, Houston announced their new Houston Memorial Herman Football Operations Center. And when Chris Pesman was asked about the, I think it's like over $100 million or so, he about building it. He goes, it's because we're going to win, which is what Baylor's got their football ops, and others, of course, Texas Tech with the massive construction. So there's that's the renderings of what Houston's doing uh, today. A couple of different notes with that.
2: It's cool they're uh, you know honoring Tom Herman like that with their football <laughs> operation. Former Center. Purdue quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. What was that guy's name? Uh, Herman. It was a quarterback that had the two ends. At the end of it, yeah,
1: I I think uh, I mean look, this is a groundbreaking and whatever today. And Dana Holgerson was there, so that's probably good news for him uh, that they're not going to turn around and, and fire him in a couple weeks. That uh, and, and look, I, I do think that they they expected uh, the first transition year to be a, you know bumpy, um, but again, I think that like this is kind of now the baseline of like things can't be this erratic anymore. You've got to start being able to to move ahead. But their roster was rated. You know, in, in, by the NFL and by the transfer portal. And, and so you, sometimes you can only do so much. And, and, you know, the, the other thing is, is that, you know, when you've been in, in a Power Five conference for your whole existence, so, you know, you're, you know, baseline of like losing a, a starter and then somebody coming in, well, he was always recruited to be a Power 5 player. If you're Houston or Cincinnati or, or UCF, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, so there's going to be those things. But I um, I wonder, uh, going forward, if that, that was kind of a good sign
0: that you had him out there, you know, at that at that groundbreaking. Board Regions Tillman for Tita on Hogerson. I haven't gotten a lot of questions about his status, if you want to know the truth. First year in the Big 12, we're 4-6. and six. We prefer to be 6-4, and four. yeah. If we're behind expectations, I don't think we're hugely behind expectations. So it's not like we're 2-10 and ten or 2-8. and eight. You have won two games in uh, – we have won two games in the Big 12. And that's a little bit of a vote of confidence in whether that's just standard or for Tina, does seem to like Dana quite a bit.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure he doesn't want to go and just turn around and pay a big buyout. And, you know, all the money going around, um, even with more money now in the Big 12, a lot of that goes back into reinvesting. And so, yeah, I'm sure that he wouldn't want to have to now go start up a coaching search. And maybe now the timing's not right to do it. I know there's a vocal segment of UH fans that uh, are not Hogerson supporters and would like to see a change, but it's just like, okay, so Jeff trailer that's what you want, right? Or, or who else are you are you going to go out there and get – Um, that can guarantee you that it'll be on better footing. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, It does seem like it's probably setting up for him to come back. And they have won a couple big 12 games. I mean, they've got to win out uh, tomorrow. Number 23, Oklahoma State seems unlikely, but it's at home. And then at UCF, that also seems unlikely, but you never know. But they've got to win both of those to get into a bowl game. And... It is their first year in the Big 12, so there is something to be said. As we see, all four teams have struggled with that to some extent, some worse than others, uh, but all of them have kind of been in that bottom half of the league, if not down at the very bottom. Uh, Cincinnati for the last several weeks until finally getting their first Big 12 win, but they're still at the bottom at 1-6. and six. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, everybody was expecting to take some lumps, but uh, I will say, too, that the only reason, they, not the only, it's going to seem like I'm taking away from it and I guess I am in a way, but yeah. they hail married West Virginia. Mm. And then they, they beat Baylor, like, straight up in, in uh, most of that game. But then it, it went to overtime, right? And so those were their two Big 12 wins. I mean, by the skin of their teeth, they got those two Big 12 wins. But they got them nonetheless. So let's see what they do these last couple weeks. But, um, yeah, I can see both sides of that. Uh, from the the Holgerson perspective of wanting to keep him because you got to give him some time to get it going. And from the other perspective of, like, all right, we've seen enough. And um, this isn't going to turn into anything other than kind of what it is right now. So, that's going to be for Tita to, to decide ultimately. Garrett,
0: I just sent you one more, if you don't mind having it up. We don't have to do it right away. Let's do the Big 12 schedule. We have discussed these with some analysts. We have also made picks ourselves. Uh, Oklahoma, Brigham, uh, BYU. Damn it! You, you, got, you, you stopped, though. So, that's good. 7.50 rather than but 10. It's, it's probably I stopped myself twice today. Yeah. BYU host Oklahoma. And, and we asked Josh Neighbors about this. They have now lost a bunch of games, uh, really kind of to me. Uh, I've even saw, seen some flare-up about Kalani Satake. I don't think that's the case, but it has been, I would think, a disappointing first year for BYU.
1: I, I think that you have to – look, Cincinnati is not going to fire Scott Satterfield Right now, you know, it's his first year. You know, So they're, they're going to they're gonna navigate through that. Uh, BYU probably shouldn't fire. I, I hope they don't fire Kalani Sataki. He's done a really good job there. Let him figure out the Big 12. We just talked about Dana Holgerson. And Gus Malzahn's not getting fired. So you have to adjust to those things. Now, look, if you are you know, one of the incoming four teams next year and you've been in a power five conference and you come in and fall flat in your face, it's probably a different conversation to have, especially coming from where the Pac-12 is just in the immediate, like today uh, and going into the big 12, you should feel pretty good about where you are and being able to compete in this league. But that's a, that's two different sides of the coin. Uh, BYU, like you said, just has it like, they don't do things well. Like, there's not—what do you not say good. that they're—
2: Yeah. They're not good. Yeah, I mean.
1: sometimes even, like, bad teams, you think like, well, at least they can do this— BYU just can't. I don't know what Iowa that would be. Iowa State
0: beat them to a pulp.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, guys, it's it's. I know we probably don't want to say it, but like we, we dog on Baylor all the time. Baylor's yeah. not a good team. BYU is yeah. not a good football yeah. team yeah. right now. They're not good on offense. They're not good on defense. And um, you know, they got a new defensive coordinator, so that's somewhat to be expected. You have had some injuries to Slovis, but even when Slovis was playing, it's not like they were lighting the scoreboard up. So you know, I think they benefited from beating Arkansas on the road in Week Three, and it's like, oh shoot, they're three and and0, They just beat an SEC team on the road. Little did we know that Sam Pittman's on the hot seat. Uh, you know, weeks later. And then, you know, beyond that, they beat Cincinnati in a, in a, in a you know, battle of the newcomers, and that was good to get your first Big 12 victory. And they beat Texas Tech in a game where Tech had a handful of turnovers uh, in that game. But beyond that, I mean, it's it's all red and, uh, and L's. And so that's been their little welcome to the uh, Big 12. I think the timing of it stinks that they're just not a very good team. And like, I, they wouldn't be a good team if they were playing their independent schedule. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so it's not a... And so you add in going to the Big 12, and it's just they got caught on a bad year that multiplied because all of a sudden there was a step up week to week in competition as well and a lot of newness and all of that to uh, to account for. So, you know, they'll they'll work it out. I, I, I've i seen chatter about Sataki, but that just seems kind of ridiculous compared yeah. to some of the other chatter. Um, and I would think – you know, outside of the Paul mentioned in the new four, I mean, the only one, you you cross your fingers and hope all those coaches are going to be here yeah. because that's the appeal of Colorado as yeah. much as anything. Uh, that's what you want with Utah for certain. Uh, with Arizona, yeah, hopefully Jed Fish is still at Arizona and is not picked off in the carousel. The only one you look at and you kind of side eyes maybe Kenny Dillingham because they're not very good. Uh, big picture. Maybe you feel like it's building towards something, but, you know, when you fire an AD... And then you're struggling, and you just wonder, like, if they come struggling in again. But, yeah, all, you hope all four of those guys are, are going to be around. Dillingham's going to be. I'm just saying of, like, he's the only one you even have really a question about at yeah. the moment as far as the future and what that looks like of, of how long he could be around. All
0: right, let's, how, which, how many more games do we? We did BYU at home against Oklahoma. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying we got, we got a lot of games to get to and not a lot of time to do it. Cincinnati, West Virginia. I mean, like West Virginia should win this game easily. I mean, they, they they can
1: run the ball at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not, and they're they're another bad team. So,
2: I uh, I think I think they should win that one easily. Very, yeah. I think West Virginia should win. They're at home and um, they're just a better team. I think. Did I cut you off? No, I mean, no. Let's. let's I mean, uh, we got to go or we got to go. Or well, we don't. No.
0: I mean, I just want to make sure we get to all three, all these uh, seven games. West Virginia. You think easily? Yes. Okay. I mean, like, for, they should. I mean, that
1: that doesn't mean that that happens. Look, this is a – maybe a, a, this is an old Big East rivalry, but no, no players in this game know that or care. So, you know, for the fans in Morgantown it might be, but I don't see Cincinnati rolling into Morgantown, one of the toughest places to play, whether West Virginia is
0: good or bad, uh, in winning that game. We've discussed Baylor and TCU and almost don't really need to. We'll have our pregame tomorrow at, what is it, like 1230? Uh, I think TCU wins the game thirty to sixteen or whatever. I don't know. Maybe Baylor gets juiced up because there's an NIL policy now. I don't know, or one that's upgraded. I don't know that TCU is just not, to me, going to blow this opportunity with a bowl game right in their sights.
1: Well, they, they got to beat Baylor and Oklahoma to do that. So uh, it got to beat Baylor first. Uh, you know, we we all we've talked about this one. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks Baylor's going to win, but this is a four and sixteen versus a three and seventeen. So. Not uh, not the sexiest uh, revivalry that there's ever been.
2: Yeah, I'll go with TCU here. I think they're just a slightly better team. I don't think they're all that great, but they're at home. Uh, Baylor struggled. We keep waiting for Baylor to have a, a well. Maybe this week's the week, and it's we're at the last two games of the season, and nothing's changed really. So um, the history of this rivalry doesn't necessarily impact this year, but. I mean TCU always wins. They they always win over the, the past decade, so I'm I'm not expecting that to change now, especially with the state that Baylor's in.
0: Name a game in the last fifteen years or so when Baylor beat TCU and they weren't favored. Uh I I mean I can't. They're just not Because the Terrell Bird interception in the end zone, that was a bang bang game, but Paul Hall, remember, had been through the suspension and it gets the tip. Uh then they win in triple overtime. That was probably Baylor. That was a 19 team, right? So they were favored, uh, should have been. And then there have been two or three times in the last 10 or 12 years when TCU was not favored at all. Hell, one year at home when Jalen Rager went crazy, uh, when they had their third-string quarterback, and he got hurt, I believe. And so they just win that game. Oklahoma State, I would think through so far this year, through seven games in the conference, the loss, not the loss to UCF, But the ass-kicking against UCF might be one of the most surprising outcomes score-wise that we've seen throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I just, I kept racking my brain as how did Oklahoma State not, even after they fell behind, like, how do you not, like, score a couple of garbage touchdowns in that thing? You know, how did that happen? And I know the weather and all that, but uh, I do, I do probably feel the wrath, uh, you know, either Houston feels the wrath of Ollie Gordon this week because uh, they're gonna they're gonna try to get him back on track and uh, and get him back in the conversation. But that against UCF last week was look, and so I expect them to respond really well. And Houston, just I mean they they're kind of there, but again, not 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 great, not great, Bob.
2: Yeah, Houston uh, turns it over too much with Donovan Smith. I'd imagine he'll probably do that again. If not, then they give themselves a chance to win. But uh, there's Nothing about Houston that really makes me think they're going to be, um, you know, the, the a team impossible to, to rebound against for Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's going to be revved up, ready to go after last week. I don't think there will be a torrential downpour for a quarter that will uh, derail that. And uh, I think that Ollie Gordon gets back to uh, more of what we saw prior to last week, which was just kind of an outlier. So, yeah, I don't have high hopes for Houston here unless just miraculously they're – protecting the football and and hit some huge plays. But uh, it's kind of hard to see that. I could see this being maybe a little bit of a shootout, but uh, I'd still favor Oklahoma State in that. Um, And I think Ollie Gordon has a big game.
0: One of the more intriguing games, two teams uh, coming off wins, uh, both a win away from being bowl eligible. Texas Tech winning to Kansas, UCLA, uh, UCF, excuse me, crushing Oklahoma State. This might be a heck of a game up in Lubbock, Texas. It might be, or it might not. Like, it depends who of these two teams shows
1: up like do they do the best versions of UCF and Texas Tech both show up tomorrow afternoon do they both do it at the same time I'm not confident that that could happen and I don't like Texas Tech is way better at home than they are on the road that's obvious so that's That leads me to believe that they they will be Taj Brooks running against that UCF defense. I I don't think that they're going to muscle up and do it two weeks in a row. But if UCF, if the best version of UCF shows up, then this one will get fun. But the best two versions of this team have not ever been consistently back-to-back weeks all year long. And that's why they're both, you know, two weeks out of the end of the season and needing a win to go to a bowl game now.
2: I think location matters here. If this Mm -hmm. is in Orlando, I think you'd look at it a little bit differently. Um, But the fact that it's in Lubbock, I do do think favors the Red Raiders. I think Taj Brooks has had a great year and uh, should have some success against that UCF run defense, which um, surprisingly stood up pretty well against Ollie Gordon last week. But, yeah, I think Tech will be able to run the football, and uh, I think they'll be able to sling it around a little bit. And I just think they're a slightly better team um, overall. Um, when you factor in the home field advantage that they should have. So, uh, yeah, UCF traveling to Lubbock, I think there's a chance for them if they uh, can, uh, you know, grab hold of some momentum early. But uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like Tech's the, the one that's in better shape to win this game.
0: Jennifer is in Lubbock with some of her sorority girls up there at, at uh, the Kyos. And she sent me a text yesterday or called me. And she said, uh, Dad – uh, you are not allowed to call me anytime after 3.15 today until I come home late Sunday night. And I said, why not? She goes, because you just don't need to. You don't need to. I think she's going to go up there and have fun friend with her uh, sorority girls. It should be a blast. Here's a, ta- here's a tweet. Taj Brooks, you brought him up. Most missed tackles in college football running backs this year. At the very top is Taj. John Brooks had a great year. He's out. He's right there next to him. And then you see the names down the list. Uh, Marion Hampton's a heck of a player. Uh, How about Amani Bailey right there, a little bit higher than maybe most people think? RJ Harvey at a monster game against UCF. And there are the top, I guess, 10 most. Missed tackles among power five running backs. I'm
1: not surprised on the on the top. Well, any of them really. Uh, honestly, uh, I am surprised that uh, that Ali Gordon is so far down to the bottom. Uh, although sometimes he just kind of so missed like
0: the first two and a half. You know, didn't play much the first what two or three games.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, like a couple games where he doesn't have many carries. It just seems to me that like he still would run through more tackles. Yeah. But I know that's different. But yeah, Taj Brooks is a beast. He is. He is running through tackles. And, of course, um, of those 77, 38 of them were against Baylor. All
0: right, the next game on the Big 12 schedule tomorrow. You have Kansas and Kansas State. Kansas still, the question about their quarterback. The good news this week, Jalen Daniels is back next year, but what about this weekend hosting Kansas State coming off the route of Baylor, uh, I just don't believe. Jay, like I, I read what the offensive
1: coordinator said, and he's he's kind of being cagey about it. It's kind of the same thing they've done with Jalen Daniels over the last couple of years, where you know, oh, he might have practiced, and they kind of say, well, he could be out there. I, I don't know, and maybe he does play. I'm just not confident that Jason Bean plays. And even if he does play, Kansas State's still a really good team. And even though this is in Lawrence, I think, I think that Kansas State's just deeper and better. Although. If everybody's at full strength, this would have been a a really fantastic game.
2: Yeah, Kansas doesn't have any Big 12 hopes uh, now after last week. Kansas State still does to a slight extent, uh, but would need help. And uh, I'd expect they're going to be locked in like they still have a great opportunity to get there. And plus, it's just a rivalry game as is. Um, I think, uh, you know, yeah, if Jason Bean plays, that certainly gives KU a better chance. But I I still think Kansas State's the the better team overall. And uh, we'll roll into – Lawrence and get the W and just see where the rest of the chips fall earlier in the day. And then obviously uh, a little bit later on at night, they'll get back to their locker room and be able to see what happens with that Texas score. But uh, yeah, I think that Kansas State's playing really well right now. And I don't expect that to change against Kansas.
0: Iowa State, one of the better stories in the Big 12. There are others, but they are one of the best. And what they're doing, and at home against Texas, having a 9-1 year, they've kind of played with their food in the second half a little bit, but they keep finding ways to win. And they need to keep winning. And, of course, a win would put them in the Big 12 championship game.
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm i curious to see, you know, what's going to happen there with their offense. Uh, but I don't know if Iowa State can play a flawless enough offensive game to score more points in this one over four quarters than Texas can. But we'll see. I mean, like, they, sometimes you just can't win at places very well. And lately, that's been Ames for the Longhorns.
2: Yeah, I like Texas here. I mean, Ames is a tough place to play, but, um, I mean, that's the only thing we keep saying is that, oh, it's tough to play in Ames. What about the defense? What about the quarterback? What about uh, the skill guys? I don't think that there's really a thing that you're heavily concerned about if you're Texas. Um, you're passing, you know, defense is maybe where they could get you, but I don't know that you're really all that fearful of Rocco Beck at this point. Um, so, yeah, I think that they've got the motivation of this being the last go-round and also playing at home. But beyond that, if this game were in Austin, I don't think we'd blink at it. So, yeah, I'm going Texas here. All right, those are the games of the Big
0: 12. Garrett, is there one in particular you think might be that, that sticks out to you uh, that, that might be, oh, this this is a chance this might happen? Uh, I mean –
1: the one, I think UCF and Texas Tech is interesting just because of the way the Knights played last week. But obviously, Tech does play better at home. So, I would take Texas Tech in that matchup, but I wouldn't be surprised if UCF puts together a performance the way they did last week if they went into ups, uh, Lubbock and played. Spoiler. Yeah,
0: are they who they were against Oklahoma State or at Oklahoma right. or other games, uh, three, two, and what, almost three full quarters against Baylor until they just actually, uh, just a tire blew from the heck of it. Now, a couple of other tweets to get to, and then we have Sam Bradshaw in the TCU-Baylor matchup. Uh, Matt Rule, Nebraska football coach. Uh, Matt Rule, quote from this week, Nebraska plays Wisconsin and Iowa. They have to win one of those two to become bowl eligible in search of that elusive sixth win. They've been in a five-game non-bowl streak. This is a life we've chosen. This world, to me, it's always like the mafia. You get hired, eventually you get whacked, and you live as much... As you can in between.
1: Yeah, uh, I love this quote, and and we'll see that they got it. One of these teams got to win to get to a bowl game uh, this week or next week, uh, whatever it is. And I would think that this one is a better shot than trying to you know pee a drop against that Iowa defense. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so good luck. I mean, the, no offense in the Big Ten West is is any good anyway right now, uh, and all the coaches would probably tell you that. So. We'll see uh what happens here. But I, I like the, the attitude. Like go go in there and um, you know, put a horse head in somebody's bed.
2: Yeah. Um interesting uh interesting quote there. He's very quotable. Uh kinda missed that. Uh, instead of it being, you know, some long philosophical type of kind of an explanation like we get from Miranda, that's fun from time to time, but sometimes you just want like something like kinda like that. Um so yeah, um big Game's coming up for them with a couple of weeks to go, and uh, we'll see what they are able to do with it. But I think that program's heading in the right direction. There is a rumor out there, it's just Twitter, but that rules interviewing for the A&M job. So have fun with that, Nebraska fans, as far as, like, that's, gonna be, that's what's going to be the case with him because he's been so often mentioned in previous jobs. But, I mean, I think he's at a spot now where he feels pretty good about things. But just saying, that was out there. I don't know to what extent. Um, but, yeah, I think he's a uh, – building something nice in Nebraska and may not get there in year one, but it'll uh, it'll build up quite nicely over time.
0: I am not so sure that the real story is that A&M contacted him and he's not wanting to leave Nebraska, stay in Lincoln. Of course, his name is always up there because of opportunities, but I believe – that A&M uh, has interviewed, we know Jeff Trailer. I believe that Matt Rules has said, uh, "I I think I'm good right now."
1: I, I just it seems to be too soon to do that. And, and look, the the only different well, I said not the only difference. I mean, A&M's been better over the last twenty years than Nebraska has. But that's you know they both haven't won national titles. You know, so A&M's had more bowl games and more things like that than Nebraska has over the last twenty years. I think I mean,
0: even Nebraska's struggles is not much different than what A&M has. No, I mean
1: like again, what do you like we talk? Like, that's what i'm saying the, like AM wants you to win the national title right now uh, or contend for it and 8 and 4 feels like what's the difference between 8 and 4 and 5 and 7 when the goal is to be in the playoff yep. not much you know so um, but it is nice to at least you're getting to a bowl game but those yeah. aren't
0: the goals no exactly that kind of so that that's the, the thing program. like you're
1: you're kind of Jumping out of the frying pan and into another frying, like and into the fire, uh, a little bit there. The only difference I would say between Nebraska and ANM right now is Jimbo built ANM's roster, you know, yep. a lot better. So if Matt Rule wants to step in there and win, okay, fine. But again, like, what are you doing? Like, you're it's you're kind of doing this. It's the same job
0: you'd be doing. West Virginia Center Zach Frazier was invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl. And then Dane Bruegler, who we've had on, a great scout or when it comes to NFL draft. Zach Frazier was my highest graded center entering the season. Strong week in Mobile will help him finish that same way. West Virginia Frazier, one of the few centers in this class with NFL starting potential.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's a very good he's a very good player. Uh he's he look like if you looked at him, if you had to pick him out of like, okay, what position on the line does he play? He looks exactly like a center. He's built exactly like a center. He's not like a guard.
0: Like a block of granite? But,
1: yeah. He's also, he doesn't look like a guy that's a guard that they said, can, can we teach you how to snap the ball and let's get through this? He looks like a center. A really good player. Um, one of those guys I would say probably if he gets past the second round, that, that means he probably has some sort of injury.
0: All right. How long is Sam? Well, about 10 minutes. Okay. All right. Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart has decided and made the comment or has made the decision he will return. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss for 2024. I hope that Spencer Sanders
1: enjoyed his uh, year off in, in uh, Oxford.
2: Yeah, still one of the more puzzling decisions. I, I still don't quite understand that, but hey, uh, worked out okay for Oklahoma State. Kansas State AD Gene Taylor got a contract extension through 2030.
0: We've had him on this show. He's done an incredible job with K State. Their women's team got a great win last night against number two Iowa. Annual salary near a million. $250,000 retention bonuses the next four years, 500,000 after year number four. And finally this one. We covered him. Midway football quarterback uh, football quarterback. Ty Brown had a, as MVP of District 126A. I put this up because he's going to the horseshoe up to Ohio State. His dad played there, and he put that up on Twitter. He is going to get a visit to Ohio State up in Columbus. Uh, Again, I'm sure there's a little bit of a a family uh, opportunity here. His father played there again, was an offensive lineman. We got to meet him during our uh, rain delay game a couple of weeks ago at a home game.